So good morning, beloved. Welcome to all who've joined us from different parts of the world and from India. Uh, those who are viewing us online, um, you'll find us on Facebook. Our, our handle is at Beloved Sons of God. So write to us and tell us what God is doing in your life and how, uh, uh, you know, if Beloved has blessed you in any way. Uh, also, for those who are listening to us online today, I have a, I'll have a link below this uh, video. And if you click on that link, it's going to open up to all the scripture verses that we're doing today. Okay, so, uh, and if you live in uh, Bombay, uh, write to us and we'll tell you where we meet. After the lockdown, we'll be coming back together uh, for our Sunday services. And so, uh, we'd be most happy for you to join us, okay, and meet other sons. Uh, so, today I'm going to share something, um, uh, you know, an amazing message. And I know that it's going to bless you as much as it's blessed me over the years. Uh, so, I'm going to talk about rest. Now, those who are listening to this message, I would advise you to go and listen to the previous message on, uh, I've got two messages on um, our YouTube channel. So click on Sonship, hear that, and also click the one that I shared last week, which is uh, Salvation Belongs to the Lord. Okay, so it's going to sort of like mesh in to, together with today's message. So uh, I've titled this message, Let's Go Into the Word. For those who, who are on our group, on our WhatsApp group, uh, you'll have the the PDF file on your WhatsApp group. So you can just open it. Uh, I've titled this message as living in his rest. Okay. And um, the Bible talks about that when you got born again, born again means born from above, right? We've been redeemed. We're called new creation, sons of God. And so the first thing that God did was put you in his rest. And today, before we look at what it means to live in God's rest, and that's your position and that's my position, but I'm going to look at what rest is and what uh, the Sabbath is right in Genesis where it is mentioned for the first time. Okay. Now, when you read the Bible, it says that the Old Testament, when you're reading the Old Covenant, okay, it says that the Old Testament or the Old Covenant is a shadow of things to come. Okay. So I'm going to look, we're going to look at first what Sabbath or Sabbath means rest. So when you tell somebody, you know, I want you to rest, you can actually say Shabbat, like just say Shabbat to them, meaning rest. Rest in the Lord, okay? So um, I'm going to take that verse. It's in Genesis 2 for the first time. And, uh, you know, I know that the Holy Spirit will bring it all together. Um, <clears throat> so let's read that verse, okay? It's in Genesis 2. Uh, so this is about where God made everything. Okay, God said, let there be light. He made the sun, the moon, the stars. He made the trees. He made the animals. And then it says that God rested from all his works on the seventh day, Okay. So thus the heavens, Genesis 2 verse 2, thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished, were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested. And that word rest in Hebrew, you click on it, it says Shabbat. So it says, and he Shabbat on the seventh day. That's what it means. He rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. He made it holy. It's almost like he, he took the seventh day and it, he consecrated it. He set it apart. He called it holy. Okay. And because, and why did he call it holy? Because in it, that means in this, in the seventh day, he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. What does Shabbat mean? It means that he, he, he stopped from all his labor. He was still. That's what Shabbat means. That's why when I'm, I'm telling you, you know, I want you to rest. It means be still. Okay. It means take a rest. It also means celebrate. 
Shabbat also means celebrate. It was like a celebration that everything is finished. Okay, that's where Thanksgiving comes from. A celebration that it is finished. Okay, now let's look at in Exodus 31, 13. Okay, what was, why did God, God made the Ten Commandments, right? And so he, uh, he said the Ten Commandments and in the, look at the Shabbat law, what was the, what was the essence of why did God want his people to rest on the seventh day? Okay, so look at this. Exodus 31, verse 12. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak also to the children of Israel saying, surely my Shabbats you shall keep for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. I am the Lord who separates you. I am the Lord who calls you holy. Are you understanding? That's why when you were in the rest and now you'll see the rest, your rest is the most holiest thing you can do. No demon, no devil can touch rest because it is sanctified. It is called holy. Like how in the Old Testament, you know, right? Nothing could enter the holy of holies. Why? Because it was set apart. It is holy. Nothing untoward can come. And that's why you're in his rest now. So wherever you go, no virus can touch you. If anything touches you, your virus will touch you, you will kill it. Because you are holy. It is touching holiness. Okay? So look at this. That you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. I am the Lord who sets you apart. Okay? Now let's go down to Genesis 3.17. Okay? So what happened when uh, Adam was supposed to eat out of the tree of all of the trees, including the tree of life, he could have eaten it. He was only told, don't eat out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because the day you eat out of this tree, you're going to enter a realm. Death is going to come in. Okay? And so what was the curse that fell on Adam? Okay? Now look at this. Cursed is the ground for your sake. So it's, it says that the devil tempted him or Eve or whatever, and he goes and eats out of the fruit and he enters into a realm. Let's say he falls. He enters into a realm of the knowledge of good and evil, where the whole world is living in. But you are sanctified, you're set apart. And what is the, the fruit of this eating the knowledge of tree of good and evil? It's the law of sin and death that the whole world lives in. Okay. And, and look, at, look at the curse that fell on Adam because he did this. It says, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the herb of the field. Now see this. In the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken for dust you are and to dust you shall return. What does it say in verse 19? It says, in the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. That means everything now you're going to toil and work for it. That means you're going to be in this labor that you're going to have to earn everything. Nothing is going to be easy for you. From the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. You're going to labor for everything from henceforth, okay? Now, this is the curse that fell on man. That's why you see today, everyone is sort of, if you feel like you're laboring for something, that's not God's portion for you, okay? Even as you learn to rest Christ's inheritance for you, that you'll make it easy, smart money, not toilsome money. It will be easy money, and there is a place for that. You'll start seeing things shift in your life, even as you're coming uh, into your rest, okay? Now see Exodus 3, uh, 3, 7. And the Lord said, I have surely now, um, okay, so let's understand, okay? The Old Testament is a shadow of things to come. The entire, when, uh, when the children of Israel were in Egypt, God calls in the New Testament, when you read, he always refers to 
to Jesus coming and redeeming us, redeeming his children out of, uh, you know, this world into the promised land. It's always referred as bringing his children out of Egypt into the promised land. Okay. Now I want us to see what were the promise, what was, um, what were the children of Israel in when they were in Egypt? What was the evil? What was something, what was it that was so bad? Okay. And so because it is necessary to look at it because God calls it like the world that he pulled us out of. He pulls, uh, it says that God pulled us out of darkness from the kingdom, from the realm of darkness into the realm of the beloved son of God. But he also calls that darkness. It is also referred to as being in Egypt. Okay. And so look at this. Let's look at Exodus 3, 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters for I know their sorrows. What was happening in Egypt? The Egyptians were lording over the children of Israel. They were making them work. In fact, when Pharaoh started coming in, uh, sorry, when Moses started coming in on the scene, when Moses goes and confronts Pharaoh, he, the first thing that Pharaoh says, you know what, they've got too much idle time. And so now double up their work. We're not even going to give them straw for the bricks. Let them go get their own straw. So what was the, the toil on the children of Israel? It was like this yoke, this heavy labor that, you know what? I just want rest. I am under, I've become a slave in this world. And I'm not a son, I'm a slave. And now I want to be set free. They were not father. They were under the whip masters. That means they have to earn for everything. It was like somebody lording over them. Okay, someone over them. That means they were slaves to something. And so what was it? I'm just going to read that paragraph. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of Egyptians to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. Okay. The cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I have seen also, seen the oppression with the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So Egypt was a place of toil. It's symbolic of the curse that fell on Adam, that he would have to sweat it out and live his life. Like he, you, now you'd become a slave to everything. Okay. Now let's go down to De Deuteronomy. Okay. So now God has this plan. He picks Moses and Aaron. He actually first picks Moses and then Mo Moses gets Aaron. Okay, he picks a man. And why does he pick a man? Because now he has an agenda. God wants to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage. It's called the world of bondage into the promised land, into a rest. Okay, now at the first time, okay, let's, let's, let's read Deuteronomy 6.10. Okay, so it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of good things, which you did not fill, hone out wells, which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware, please to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And it calls this the, the house of bondage. And it says in Hebrews that we came out of bondage, that man was in bondage to death and Jesus set us free. Okay, so look at this. It says, now think about it. In, in Egypt, they're working for everything. They will dig wells for others. They will plant vineyards maybe for others. They will dig out houses and somebody else will live in it. But here God is saying that you are not going to do any of the things that you did in Egypt. In fact, it's the opposite. 
I'm going to make someone else do things and you will come, come into my rest. Okay, that it is a rest, that it's free from all the work, that I am going to do it for you. Okay, now see this. In verse 7, I've, I've put dot, 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 meaning I've skipped a few verses and I've gone to verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a land, a good land, and a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of wines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, and a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. That means God calls when he entered his rest, when he entered his rest, God is calling the rest is a place where you lack nothing. Where else have you heard this? Where you shall lack nothing, where you will want nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack anything. The Lord is my shepherd. That means what is the rem? You're coming back to a place of being fathered out of slave, out of whipmasters. Now you're coming back to where someone is pardoning you and now I am doing all things for you. Okay, now see this. It says this land is a place, that means rest is a place where when I am put in rest, that means I lack nothing. That no area of my life lacks anything because it's a land flowing with milk and honey. That means there's a flow. It says that the Holy Spirit is in us, it's rivers of living water flowing out of us. That means there's no, there, there is no stagnation. There is a flow. There's a river, okay? A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. That means it's a place of wealth, of prosperity, okay? When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Now, God calls this place the promised land. That means there was food here. There was prosperity here. There was no lack, it says, for anything when you come into this land, okay? Now, let's go down. <clears throat> it says in verse 11, see this. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God, keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, etc. It goes on and it says, when, your herds, when you are eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, that means supernatural prosperity here in this realm, okay? That means your herds and your flocks, they multiply. Okay, and your silver and gold are multiplied. That means in this realm, you're putting money and now it's multiplying for you. The stocks are not going down. It's in rest that everything, who's, but who's multiplying it? He is multiplying it for you. Okay, and all that you have is multiplied when your heart is lifted up that you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. That's why it says in the word, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Do not go back into the yoke of bondage. That means do not become a slave to things that God has set you free from. That's why it says we are not slaves of sin anymore or it, don't allow it to reign over you. That means don't give it place. I've given you freedom to live like a son. Now you fly. Okay, now see this. Death doesn't have any dominion over you now. After you have been freed from the house of bondage who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rocks, who fed you in the wilderness with manna. The wilderness was completely supernatural experience for the Israelites because it was a place where there was nothing and they got everything. They got food, they got water. Then it says, 
which your fathers did not know, manna which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he may test you to do you good in the land. It also says that, you know what, in the wilderness, even your clothes didn't wear out. So the wilderness was a completely supernatural experience to show that, you know what, it is I who am everything for you. I'm your father. Okay, I'm taking care of you. I am the one who's everything for you. That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that I'm speaking. Okay, see what it says. Then you say in your heart, heart, my power and might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. So what is he saying? I just want you to know that it's all me doing it. It's not you. It's all me doing it for you. That is our rest. Okay. Now see this. In Numbers 13, 30, it talks about God brought Israel out of Egypt. And how did he bring it? He just didn't bring, bring them just by, like by normal things, right? He brought out with an outstretched arm. That means I boasted and showed everyone who my children are and what I will do for the ones who are mine. So he split the sea. He made the water into blood and all of these miracles, the plagues that happened in Egypt, everything was just to show that I am for my children. And anyone who's against my children is against me and I will be against them. Okay, so he brought them out with an outstretched arm, it says. Now, he did all of these miracles for them, okay? And when they were supposed to enter the promised land, God told the children, God told Moses, tell them, pick out some people and, you know, send spies into the promised land. Go spy out the land. So what was their job? To go and spy out the land, okay? Now, what do they do? They go up, they look at the land. They say that, oh, wow, it's with milk and honey and everything. But now they start looking at the people dwelling in the land because they are giants. But of course, God needed giants because God wanted to give his children big houses. Only giants can build big houses, dig deep wells. Only giants can dig deep wells. His plan was to kick the giants out and get his children into the promised land. Okay. But now see this. It says that they could not enter the promised land and they don't enter the promised land. Okay, why is because they, they, they look at the people and now they don't, God has told them, I'm going to give you this promised land. But now they start saying, look at this. I want us to see this. Okay, this is very important. Um, <clears throat> so they basically give a bad report and they say, you know what? We were like grasshoppers in their sight. Okay, and we are not able to overcome this. We're not going to be able to overcome them. Why did they not? And what did God not like in their, what they were saying? They really thought that it was them who's going to fight. And then God is like, who brought you, who parted the Red Sea? Do you think it was you who parted the Red Sea? Who made the water into blood? Do you think it was you who made the water into blood? Who sent the locusts? Who gave you manna? Who got the water out of the rock? And so I'm looking at a children, if you are, if you really thought that it was you who did it all, and that's why they couldn't, is because they thought really that they are supposed to fight this. And God was saying, the battle is not yours anyways. I am the one who's going to deliver it. Okay, so they boasted in themselves, not realizing that, you know what? It was never you. The weight is not on you. It's on me. I am the one who's going to do it all. Okay, and so look at this. In Numbers 13, 30, only there were two, Caleb and Joshua, who got a different report. Because maybe they saw all of the miracles of Egypt. They saw with what God did. And they realized that, you know what? It was never man. It was never Moses. Moses was just lifting up his hand. It was all him who was doing it. Okay? And that's what David even has a boast, right? I mean, see that later. 
Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. In verse six, but Joshua, the, nun, the son of Nun and Caleb, the son of Jep Jephunneh, who were among them, spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. This is the plan. It's on him doing it for you. That is, that is right, righteousness by faith. Understanding that it's all him in you. And we will see that. Okay. Now see this. It is him who is going to give us the land. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Nor fear the people of the land. For they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. That means everything about God. For you. For me. Is supernatural. And the weight is not on me. The weight even in the old has always been on him. But I told you in the, oh, if you read Salvation Belongs to the Lord and hear that sermon, every time that God spoke a word, he just wanted his children to just move on that word. But, but he was going to give the victory. Are you getting it? The victory comes from him. But he wanted us to step out. That's, that's why it was word with action. But what was the action? Just stepping forward. Just opening the mouth maybe. Just lifting up the stick. Okay? And so here it says, what did they see? Caleb and Joshua, they knew. The children of Israel may not have known because you know what? They were just blindly following Moses. Maybe imagine the Red Sea is parting, but their eyes are just closed. Like, you, do you not know? Like, that's what Jesus was telling his disciples when he multiplied the bread. Are you still so hard of hearing? Do you not see that it was supernatural? That you're again questioning it because when they again saw lack, when they were with Jesus, they said, oh, we have no bread. And Jesus just multiplied bread, just in an amazing miracle of feeding like some 7,000 or 5,000 before. And again, they're in the same place and they're like, oh my God, there is no bread. And Jesus is like, why have you forgotten that it is me, the provider? That's why sometimes, you know, when you're hit with a problem, just go back to your old victories. See, how, see his faithfulness in your life. And then when you go over it, you'll rest and know that he's the same, who's the same yesterday, today and forever. He's been faithful to you. He is faithful to you and he will continue to be faithful to you. Okay, because that is his nature. That is just who he is. And it's not based on you. It's based on his love for you. Okay, now see this in Exodus 14. Okay, I'm quickly going to read those verses and see this, all the miracles that happened. Okay, um, this is about when God was bringing the children of Israel out of, out of Egypt into, in, and into the, you know, when he brings them out of Egypt and they're going through the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see them no more, no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Now, do not be afraid. Stand still. Now, stand still does not mean don't move because they clearly moved through the Red Sea. There was an instruction given, move forward. He lifted up the hand, the Red Sea parted. But it says stand still. What does it mean? So they were clearly moving. So it doesn't mean don't do anything and just wait. It means take a rest inside. Stand still. Don't get anxious. Don't worry. This situation, I want you to be rested in it. That I don't want you to worry about it because a decision has already been made that it is my father who's going to give you victory over this. And that's what it means to have an inward rest. And so even as you have an inward rest, they're still parting the sea, the Red Sea and going forward. 
Okay. Now see this. 1 Samuel 17, 45. Okay. This is about David, right? Going to Goliath. Same thing. <clears throat> when he's in front of Goliath, what does he say? This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. It's not him who's fighting it. He is going forward, but it is God who is going to deliver you into my hand. In verse 47, then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear for the battle or the salvation of this problem is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. What is David's boast again? That it is him doing it. It has always been him doing it for you. And even as a son of God now, we read further that it does not change. It is the father who is working in you and through you now. But before in the Old Testament, what was the difference? He had to appoint people. He had to pick Moses. You will be the one who will deliver my children. Joshua, you will be the one who will bring the people into the promised land. He picked people. But today, it's, he's in every one of you. He gets to live it out through you. Okay. Now see this. In 2 Chronicles 20, 17, they've entered the promised land. And now someone comes. To, to against the promised land and tells them like, you know what? We are going to kick you out. Listen, when you're in his rest, when you're in the promise, when you're in rest, the holiest thing, that means a sanctified. It's like a fire of holiness. Nothing can touch your rest. Okay. It's no one can, can take you out of what God has put you in. Okay. So it says here, you will not need to fight in this battle. Again, it says position yourself, stand still. That means take a stand. Okay, position yourself every time when even now you'll see in the new, when he says take a stand, it does not mean don't do anything. It means stay true for who you are and take a stand. Yeah, I'm a son. I'm in the rest. This area of my life is finished. That's what it means to take a stand. And now see the salvation. Now see what I will do for you. That's what it means. See what I, the father will do for you. So he just tells you to take a stand. That's it. Okay, now see this. Position your stand, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you. Again, he told them position, stand still. And then he says, go out. So this does not mean physically stand still and not do anything, which people think, okay, you know, the sickness is in my body now, you know, let it be as you will. That doesn't mean stand still. And people define that as rest and that does not mean rest. Stand still and position. And then he told them, go out. They went out on the word. So it means to take, to, to see who you are, to take your position that, yeah, this land was given to me and now I'm going out on the word and they're praising and rejoicing because I told you rest also means celebrate. So they go and say, praise the Lord, his mercy endures forever. They're singing, they're thanksgiving. And what happens when they went out? God caused the armies that have come against them to fight each other. And so, you know why God had told them to go out to take the spoil because they just got rich. In your rest is prosperity. Okay, and so standstill was a position of the heart. That means don't get anxious about this whole situation. Don't run after it. Don't fear it. Don't think that it's come to you because you're not supposed to solve it. I am supposed to solve it for you. And even as you rest and realize it's not your battle, it's mine. I'm the one who's doing it. I'm the one who's always been doing it for you. That is what it means to stand still and position yourself that I'm a son. Okay, now see this. Now let's go to... So we saw in the old, right? Why couldn't they enter the promised land? Because they really thought that they are the ones who are supposed to fight it. So they went, they thought this problem, I have to fight this. And that's why they got all anxious. And Joshua and Caleb were the only two people who realized the battle is not mine. It's his. 
all the battles so far in the old they were all him doing it it that, that's why they were so larger than life so that man couldn't take the glory because no one can part the red sea it had to be supernatural no one can turn water into blood it had to be supernatural okay so what what is it about everything god doing it for you that is rest so sometimes people think sun means now i have to go and do it and i have to take authority and that's the error you died now it's all him in you doing it so even when the problem comes i say it's not me addressing it it is christ addressing it and so i rest and i know that the works were finished from the foundation of the earth god entered his rest because his works were finished god will only rest if everything is done right if everything is done so he's resting and i enter his rest that means this problem is already finished it's under my feet i rest in it okay and it's not i am addressing it it is him who's addressing it it's christ who's addressing that problem nothing has changed from the old the only thing is now he gets to live in me i've become a son of god born from above so now all of those problems i deal with the same i rest but it's an inward rest and we'll talk about that okay so look at this the true rest okay in hebrews 4 uh hebrews 4 verse 4 therefore since a promise remains of entering his rest let us fear lest any of you seem to come short of it for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them but the word which they heard did not profit them nor not being mixed with faith in those who heard it for we who have believed do enter that rest as he has said did you believe that jesus did you believe in christ you received him in your heart you become a son of god so now it says we who have believed do enter that rest that means the day you got born again you've entered his rest the rest of god the day you got born again you entered his his rest now see the power of this so i swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest although the works were finished from the foundation of the world for he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way and god rested on the seventh day from all his works and again in this place they shall not enter my rest since therefore it remains that some must enter it and those to whom it was first preached did not uh, did not enter because of disobedience again he designates a certain day saying in david today after such a long time as it has been said today if you will hear his voice do not harden your hearts for if joshua had given them rest then he would have not afterwards have spoken of another day there remains therefore a rest in greek it is sabbathismos a sabbath rest that means there remains a sabbath for the people of god for he who has entered his sabbath has himself also ceased from his works as god did from his let us therefore labor therefore to enter the sabbath jesus said i am the sabbath you entered we are in christ we are in the sabbath now the day you got born again you entered his sabbath his rest and what is that rest it is a rest that it's no more you it's on him now i want to go deeper Okay, Jesus says, "See this, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. It's like the Egypt, right? Heavy load, under taskmasters. I remember this verse when I'd come into the kingdom because I was sick and I was so tired of everything. 
And when I read this, I really felt, yes, I'm in labor and I'm heavy laden. Like I got fed up of trying to fix this problem because I was trying to fix my own health. And I was saying, and I read this, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, so he's saying, come to me, all you who labor, and I will give you rest. You got born again. Born again means born from above, born from him. But you entered, when you got born again, you entered his Shabbat, Sabbath. Now, who is the one who's working on the Shabbat? No one was allowed to work. In the old also, if you worked on the Sabbath, you got stoned if you get out of the rest. Okay, because it was symbolic of Christ. But there was one man who was working on the Sabbath. You see Jesus working on the Sabbath. Okay, now see this. All the miracles, I've, I've taken a sermon uh, before uh, about this. I don't know which one this is. I think it's his faithfulness. Okay, you look it up on YouTube. But I'm just going to quickly read when God had shown me, and I've discussed this with you before also, all the miracles that didn't happen on the Sabbath, on the Sunday, there is mention of faith. All the miracles that happened on the Sabbath, and I put them down in point form for y'all, just a few, seven miracles that happened on the Sabbath, there is no mention of faith. Why is there no mention of faith? Because now on the Sabbath, they were not supposed to work. They were just supposed to be still. And so even as they were still, Jesus was the one who was using his faith and going in healing people. So we quickly just go through the seven miracles, okay? But who is the one working on a Shabbat? It is Christ. And that's why it's symbolic. When you rest, he works. He is able to work, okay? You've entered his rest. Now it is God who is working in you and through you for his good pleasure. That's what it is, okay? And see this. So look at the, uh, I'll quickly go through the uh, Sabbath miracles, okay? Um, <clears throat> he heals, um, the first miracle was Jesus heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law, okay? She has a fever. She was ill with a fever. Jesus took her by the hand. So now Jesus sees, Jesus looks at her, takes her by the hand, the fever leaves her, okay? And then she immediately started serving him. Look at the next miracle. Jesus heals a man with a withered hand. A Pharisee was waiting to see if Jesus would perform miracles on the Sabbath to accuse him. Jesus challenged the Pharisees with asking whether it was against the law to do good or to do evil, to save a life or kill on the Sabbath. Jesus was angry because of their hard hearts. He told the man to stretch out his hand. The man did and his hand was restored. Even in this, it says Jesus saw that his hand was withered. That means who saw the problem? There is no account of the, the withered guy coming to him and saying, heal me. Jesus saw, Jesus went and fixed it. Okay, again, the third miracle, Jesus heals a man born blind. The disciples were there. They think that the man is born blind because of someone's sin. Even today in churches, it is preached. If you have some sin, that's why you're sick. There is no sin. All are sins. You know, the, one of the things, the day, the, the, you know, the, the day of atonement in the old is on the Sabbath. It is the Sabbath of Sabbath. It happens, on the seven, uh, it happens on the 10th day of the seventh month, according to the Jewish calendar. And what was the day of atonement? It was, they were not supposed to do anything on that day that all their sins, all Israel's sins were taken away. And it was a rest, a solemn rest for all of Israel, the Sabbath. And that's why it was holy. You're, you entered, think about it. He sanctified the Sabbath. That means he calls this place holy. And now you entered the Sabbath. You're in his rest. 
where all the works were finished. Jesus' works and your works are not some two different works. If it says that God rested from all his works, you came from God. That means your works are part of his works. That means your whole life is a finished work. And he rested from all his works and now he's put you in his rest. That means your whole life is a finished work. So now how does everything flow out into your life? And how do you see it in your life? We'll talk about that as we go forward, okay? But let's cover quickly all the miracles. So who is working on the Sabbath? Who is allowed to work on the Sabbath? Jesus calls himself, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the only person working on the Sabbath, allowed to work. Because he said that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Okay, now see this, Jesus heals the blind man. So he goes, he sees the guy is blind, he goes and heals him. He is using his faith. Jesus heals a crippled woman. Again, he's preaching in a synagogue. This woman is crippled for 18 years. And then Jesus goes, rebukes that spirit of infirmity. Jesus heals. Jesus sees, Jesus goes, Jesus does, Jesus fixes. All done in rest. In rest, even when my hair was falling, that's what he told me. He saw it. He told me to chill. He fixed it. All my hair came back. Even as I chose to not run after it, get out of my rest. That's what it means. Because the rest is holy and sanctified. And in your rest, nothing can touch you. Okay? Now see this. Uh, she glorified God. Okay? Then Jesus is a man with dropsy, some sort of disease, skin disease. Again, he saw, he went and fixed it. He healed. Jesus drives out an evil spirit. Mark 1, 21, 28. I put all the verses down. You can read up those scriptures. Okay? Uh, Jesus heals a lame man by the pool of Bethsaida. Again, this guy has been lame there by, for 38 years. The long time, okay? Jesus goes there. This guy is making all reasons why he can't get into the pool. Jesus says, do you want to walk? He's like, yes. Okay, get up and walk. And then, why did the Pharisees come against him? Because now see what they say. They say, they told him, you're doing all of these miracles. And Jesus said, you're not, uh, they told him, you're not supposed to do this on the Sabbath. Because Sabbath, they're not supposed to walk. They did not understand what the Sabbath was. Okay, and now I've highlighted that in red. It says, Jesus said that because God is working, he was working. Who's working on the Sabbath? God is working, he is working. What is the saying, Philippians, about you after you came into the Sabbath, after you came into Christ, because Christ is called the Sabbath? It is God who is working in me, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. But in the pool of Bethsaida, it was this guy and Jesus. Jesus healing like this. But now guess what? He's in you. And so if any Lyme symptoms comes, it is God in you, both willing, working, and getting everything out of you. Even as you rest, even as you position yourself, stand still, that means see who you are. And then the Holy Spirit goes to work. Okay? Now see this. Let's go down to... <clears throat> so let's talk about the new birth. Okay? So I showed you in the old, the promised land was a place where everything was already done. That means... In this rest, and God called that promised land his rest. It was symbolic. It was a shadow. But it was almost like saying, when you come into my rest, you will lack nothing. There will be prosperity. There will be divine health. And all of this is there in the promised land. And then even how did they get into the promised land? The weight was never on them. It was all on him. He got them into the promised land. But he always worked with his children. He always appointed, right? Some people. Now let's look at, it says that now we've come into Christ. So you received Jesus in your heart. You got born again, born from above. Okay, now let's look at these scriptures as our position and what it means to be in rest. 
And now does God expect you to do something? Meaning, are you the one doing things? Or it's still him doing it in you? Now let's look at, I'm going to read Galatians 2.20 first. I have been crucified with Christ. So now God has to get you out of the way. Okay. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Now it's no more outside. He comes and dwells in me. Okay. But Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the son of God. That means he is doing it. He is doing it just like the way he was doing it on the Sabbath, all the miracles, his faith, because now you've entered the Sabbath. So we are living by his faith, the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now read the Philippians 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Look up, the, look up that on YouTube. I've already done a sermon on that. It's the same what I'm talking about. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It is God who is going to fix that problem. It is the father who will do it in me and through me. The weight is not on me. It's still on him. I've entered his rest. I died. What part of you got born again? What part of you got born again? He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. All the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places are in Christ. The minute Adam sinned, his spirit died. His soul got messed up from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What is that? Your Google and everything that you were taught when you were brought up from school. Everything. There's, there's good and there's the bad. But it still leads to death. Okay? And what happened? And the body started dying. So he was living for some thousand years, 700 years, and suddenly he starts going towards death. Even as the law came in, it was 120 years. Because law brings about condemnation. Okay, what happens now? You find Jesus. Someone comes and tells you about Jesus. Jesus comes to redeem you out of this whole cycle of sin and death. So Jesus comes. First thing, what does he do? You become one spirit with him. You get born again. That means your spirit and his spirit is one spirit. So because Adam died, spiritually he was dead. That's why God calls it a, a, a dead man. Spiritually dead and so the body begins to die. So everything is following your spiritual identity. Jesus comes and makes you alive. You're one with him. And now everything is following your spiritual identity. So what part of you got born again? What part of you that entered his rest? Right now, it says that in Ephesians, the father raised him up above every principality, power, might, and dominion and made Jesus sit at the right hand. And then it says that you and me have been raised up and made to sit together in Christ. It's a spiritual position that we have. Okay? What part of you is coming into rest? Your mind. And that's why it says labor to rest. What part of you, God is telling you, to put, to calm down, to relax, to subdue, is your mind. Because your mind likes to get out of rest and run after everything. The problem comes, you just run after it. And one of, you know, one of the definitions for rest, okay, to stand still is also to wait. Just wait. Wait, plonk yourself. That means this position. I don't let my mind, every problem that comes, start running after it and start worrying about it. Plonk yourself and speak and say that, you know what, this problem is finished. And even as you're taking this position of being finished, that, you know what, I've entered God's rest. That means this problem is already a finished work. There's now a finishing out happening. Even as you enter that rest, the Holy Spirit goes into action and is working on your behalf. Think about
about it, it's such a true principle that Jesus could only do all of these amazing miracles and use his faith when they were just like this. They couldn't do anything. But it was symbolic. And so God was getting them to rest. But now our rest is where you're not running after it and not getting anxious and just stilling yourself that, you know what? I am not fighting this problem because I am not supposed to fight this problem. It is him who's going to do everything in me and through me. Okay, let's read these new covenant scriptures. Okay, and then I'm going to give you some examples. Uh, look at Colossians 1.25. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ for you Gentiles, they are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. See this. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. This gives you assurance to see victory in whatever situation you're in right now. That now it is Christ who's going to do it. You died, you died. It's all Christ in you. What, what does it mean by old man? Don't resurrect the old man. It just means when a problem comes, don't think why, what was the, the disobedience of the children of Israel? that they couldn't enter the promised land, that they thought they were going to fight this thing. They really thought they were going to do it. And that's why they didn't enter the promised land. God called them a hard-hearted people, not realizing you were never supposed to fight it. I am the one who's going to give it to you. You know, in every area, I really believe, I had a dream once, okay? And uh, <clears throat> there was someone sitting. And the more I was going after that thing, it was going away from me. And then the person sitting there, uh, like, you know, the Lord told me, why don't you just sit? Because it is my job to get it to you. And so it could be in an area. And at that time, it was my health. And, you know, I was just running after trying to get healed. As opposed to realizing that I'm in divine health and something is coming and making me feel that I'm not healed. And so even as I just, I didn't run after the lie anymore, like trying to get healed, right? Trying to get my hair back, trying to get my health back. I just chilled out. I just like... I'm not going to run after this, that whole weight of trying to get somewhere. I just didn't pursue that. And I came into a place of rest that it is finished, that everything started flowing out of me. That resurrection life started doing what it was supposed to do. That's what it means to stand still and take a position. Okay. Now see this 1 Corinthians 6, 17, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. These are all our identities, right? Ephesians 1, 17. It says, this is what it says, right? Therefore, I also, after I heard your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you, who is going to give to you? The Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of my understanding being enlightened, that I may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? That means what is my inheritance? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ. Now see this. When he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality. Principality actually even means origin. Meaning origin of anything. It means beginning. Far above every beginning and power and might and dominion every government and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, 
the fullness of him who fills all things and all just take one week one week and meditate on this passage okay even when we were dead in trespasses now he made us alive together in christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in christ in the heavenly places in christ jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of god not of works least any one should boast i have been made to sit together in christ far above every principality power that means even the problem that has come to me i am above it it is under my feet that's what it means to take your position hold your position that yeah it is under my feet stand still okay now look at it now look at john 15 okay i'm going to talk about how the place of rest is our habitation is my natural habitat and god is telling me that i am supposed to live in this place the one person that gets likes to get out of that, that place is my mind because it likes to worry sometimes and it'll just run after things and that's the part where i'm trying to get it into rest and keep and labor into keeping my mind at rest okay keeping my mind from worrying okay now see this john 15 it talks about <clears throat> the wine and the branch okay i am the true wine and my father is the wine dresser each branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away or he lifts up and every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit you are already clean because of the word which i have spoken to you then jesus says abide in me and i in you because the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me in another verse he says without me you can do nothing okay that means it's all him only doing now see this it says abide in me and i in you that word abide means remain can you rest can you wait just stay in me okay wait wait on me abide in me and i in you because without me you can do nothing i've taken another uh, i've taken another uh, version below okay i am the vine and you are the branches he who abides in me and i in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing if anyone does not abide in me he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burnt if you abide that means live in life union in me and my words abide in you see this what he says now he says abide or he remain or, or he is telling you stand still but then he says let my words be in you okay abide in me and my words abide in you you will you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples or my people so i took this this is a plant okay this is the vine the stem and from this vine or stem there are these branches that have come out okay now how will the life of the vine flow in this flow in the flow in the branch even as the branch simply relaxes and stops trying to be a branch are you understanding it's almost like it's almost automatic that even as the as the the branches the still the vine the the natural resources of the vine will flow into the branch so he's saying i am the vine and you are the branch even as you stay connected with me that means in all things just remember who you are 
just remember that you're in rest. Just remind yourself, just stay put, like relax. Stop trying to get out of rest. You're yoked with me. Relax. This problem is taken care of. That the weight is not on you. The weight is on me. That I am the one who's supplying all things. You can't supply for yourself. Neither can you produce fruit for yourself. That it is all me who is going to do it for you. That's what it means to abide. That means when the problem comes, don't act like you're the savior. Don't act like you're the wine. You're not the wine. I am the wine and you're connected with me. And about this matter, I am the one providing everything. That's what it means, just to relax and stay still. That means don't forget that you are the branch. And I am the one. And I am the one who's going to do everything. That means when this problem comes, don't run after it. Because you will only run after it if you think you are going to fix it. You're not supposed to fix it. I am the one who's doing it. That's what it means to be crucified. Now, imagine yourself on the cross right now. Hands and feet. Like Jesus. Imagine yourself on the cross. Your hands have nails on them. Your feet have nails on them. You're on the cross. And it says, I have been crucified to Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. On the cross. Okay? After crucifixion comes resurrection. This position means that you're dead. This position means, have you ever seen someone on the cross? If you've been nailed, to the cross, can you get out and do something? Can you fight? You can't fight. How can you fight if you've been crucified? Crucifi to be crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. It literally means that, you know what, in this situation, yeah, you know what, I was not, I was trying to do something, but now I am crucified. It's not me who is doing it. I'm not the wine. He is the wine. He's going to do it. And even as you're crucified to Christ, with Christ on the cross, it says, now I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. And guess what? Even as you're crucified, now it is his faith doing everything for you and through you. I'm living by his faith. That means he who is doing everything for you. Okay? Are you understanding what rest is? And what part of you is coming into rest? It's constantly your mind. All the battle is always in our mind. So when it talks about labor to rest, Stand still doesn't mean don't do anything. Stand still means take a position about who you are. That's what it means. And even as you're resting, you know, recently I had like a cough, right? I came from Manali, I had a cough and it was because of the heaters and they were just hydrating, hydrating me like just, and so I, I was not, not even drinking much water. So I came back and uh, I had this cough and you know what I said, and this is what I do. If I see any Lyme symptoms, I know that I, I'm not supposed to fix it. The Holy Spirit is in me to do something. The Holy Spirit, it says, if Christ, is, if, if Christ is in you, then the Holy Spirit is in you and the Holy Spirit is going to give life to your mortal body. So I just relax. I just say that, you know what? It's not in my nature to fall sick. So I agree with him. That's what it means to stand still and take a position, position yourself. That's what I do. But about this matter, I'm crucified. This is already done. This is finished. So if, and who is the one on the Sabbath who was seeing things amiss? It was Christ. Holy Spirit knows what is meant to be kicked out. And all of that light, resurrection light, will kick out all the lying symptoms. Because they're not supposed to be there because it's not in my nature. He will do it. The weight is on him. And so I agree. I rest in that because it is his job. So I took some tablets or whatever the medication is. But my rest is that my Holy Spirit is doing it all. He, he, he is the one who's doing it. I died. It's all Christ in me. The only person working on the Sabbath. 
is Christ. Okay, and that's what it means to rest because he is at work in you. Okay, even as you rest, you are allowing him to work in you and through you. But imagine if the people were just dancing on the Sabbath, he wouldn't be able to go and do anything. He would not be able to use his faith to get them healed because they're pretty trying to get them healed. And even as they're still, he is going and fixing all their problems. And so even as you're coming into that whole mind of yours that wants to fix it and that labor, that's why it says, I've come to give you rest for your soul. That means your head rest. Like, even as you're laboring, can you not run after that problem and trying to fix it? You know what? I've tried to get healed and I'm reading scriptures and I'm doing, and then God is saying, but you're trying to get healed. And can you stop the whole trying because it's a finished work. And even as you rest, meaning, you know what? In this area, I'm not going to try to get healed. I know that your word says that it's already finished. It's a done deal. And now Holy Spirit, you do. Your resurrection life is doing what it's supposed to do. That's what it means, position yourself. And the Bible says, right, even as Christ rose up, sat at the right hand of God, now the Holy Spirit went about doing everything. That means when he rested, the Holy Spirit went out. That's when the Holy Spirit is doing. Even as you're coming into a position of rest, your rest is the most holiest thing there is. And no demon, no devil can touch someone who is in rest. I've seen the greatest miracles happen. I told you even my mom's cancer and things like that. Everything in, in a position of rest. Okay, look at this. <clears throat> Let's just go down and read some more verses. Uh, so I told you about the, the wine and the branch. Okay, look at 2 Corinthians 4.18. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as, now who's transforming you? It says the spirit of the Lord. That means who is doing it? It is the Holy Spirit who is doing it. But there is something given to us to do. It says, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. That means, what is the mirror? The word is called the mirror of God for us. So it's telling you, look at who you are. Go look at who you are. Because when you stand in front of a mirror, you'll see who you are, right? The word is the mirror. So it's telling me, Priya, you look at who you are. So that's what I do. I just read it. I tell you sometimes, open up the Samship book. That's who you are. And then who's transforming you, but even as you're listening, that's why I tell you, just keep hearing the word, hearing the word, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christos. So people think word, it's not word, it's Christos. That means a new covenant. That means who you are in Christ. Just keep hearing. And who is transforming? Who is transforming? The weight is on him. He will do it. The Holy Spirit will do it. You water, someone planted the seed, Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So he will only do it. You just take a stand. I'm a son. It's not in my nature. Bus. That's it. Relax. It is his job to work it out. In you and through you. That's what it means. I just take a stand. I Stand means what? You take a stand. That's it. A plong position. This is it. This is who I am. And that's how I got it. And then God did everything. He will do it. The weight is on him. See this now. Romans 12, 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Oh, so now someone ticked you off. Someone did something bad. And now again, he says, you don't go and try to defend yourself. You don't go and try to avenge yourself. Like, no, I need to get victory, right? Like sometimes someone cuts you off and now you want to give it back. And then he's again saying, please don't touch it. Can you let me be the avenger? 
in this. Why are you going trying and fix it? Can I avenge you? Because when I avenge you, the whole world will see it. That's what it means. So even in this area, he says, don't go after it. Let me avenge. Let me be your father. Let me do all things for you. Look at James. So then my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak and slow to wrath. That word wrath means to be impulsive. For the wrath, impulsiveness of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now in this also he's saying, let every man be swift to hear, quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to give judgment on this. Don't be impulsive to give back. Because when you are impulsive, when you are going and fighting, there is a righteousness of God that wants to work on your behalf. I want to do something for you. But even as you go ahead, I can't. But the word is saying, if you are not impulsive, if you rest, if you wait, if you don't go trying to fix your problems, then you see how I am going to do it in you and through you. Because he will do it for you. Okay? Now see this. Hebrews 1.13. It says, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Jesus came, conquered everything. It says there was an open display of the enemy. Okay? All the principalities, powers, might, dominion. He conquered death. He rose again. He sat. That means he conquered everything. Now what is happening? One by one, all the conquered enemies are coming under your feet. That's what is happening. But what is his position? It says, the father said to me, sit at my right hand. That means, and now it says that the father is bringing all of these things under his feet. Do you know that when we got independence, it was not in one day, suddenly everyone left. It was slowly by slowly that outworking will happen of the independence. That now suddenly from this one city, everyone left, then the second city, everyone left. And now there's an outworking of that entire thing that, you know what? We have got independence. 1947, we got our independence and now all the other people, intruders who are in our country are going to get out. But it's, but it's not like one day suddenly. Everything step by step. It even says in the promised land, it's not just why suddenly he gave them victory. It says one by one, I gave you victory so that you won't get overwhelmed. So, you know, we've come into a place of rest and slowly, even as those problems come, those trials come our way, if you learn to rest and if you remember that it is finished, that's what it means to take on the promises. I'm beholding myself in a mirror. I'm realizing who I am. That while the problem has not come now to Priya, now it's come to Christ. I'm a son of God. And so Priya runs after the problem, but Christ doesn't run because it's already under his feet. And so what part of me is coming into that awareness? It's my mind. And so even as I'm learning to take rest, that means you can only rest and not run when you know it is finished. And so I'm, I'm laboring to rest and coming into a stillness, just waiting. And now I see the Holy Spirit going to work in that. And suddenly I will see a shift because I'm honoring my rest is sanctified. It is holy. It's sanctified to the Lord. It is the most holiest thing I can do. And I am seeing my righteousness work on my behalf for me. It is supernatural. It is supernatural. You will see it where it looks like you had nothing. You didn't do anything because it's like a Red Sea party. The whole world will know that you have nothing to do with it. Meaning it, it had to be all Christ in you. Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? Okay. If you want to see it, start doing it. Start laboring to rest. Your mind is coming into the position of it is finished. That's why any problem that comes, don't run after it. Trying to fix it because it's not Rishi fixing, not Hebron. It is Christ and Christ will not run. 
because it's already finished. He waits, okay? And the father is bringing that under your feet, whatever it is, whatever it is okay? Look at this, 1 Corinthians 15, 24. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God, the father, when he puts an end to all rule, all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. For he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is exempted. Now, when all things are made subject to him, then the son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, which is the father. That God, that the father may be all in all. Jesus took a position of rest. And now the father said, now you've done everything, you've finished. And now I am bringing all your enemies under your feet. But I am one with Jesus. And so now it's my father. It's God who is at work in me, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God is working it out. Okay. Look at 1 Peter 5, 7. These are the, now there are three scriptures in the new covenant that tell a son what to do. It's like a fight. But the fight is to not fight. Okay. There are three scriptures that talk about warfare and what to do. One, one beat of five. I've done this in CTS. Maybe I'll do a separate sermon on that again. It's in the series of Untouchable. CTS is cast your care. Don't take the thought and speak. Okay. One Peter five seven. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Now see this. Casting all your care on him for he cares for you. That means whatever care you have, you can't fix it. You're not supposed to fix it. It is he who's supposed to fix it. And so cast all your care on him because he cares for you, because he is thinking about it, because he is involved in it and he will fix it. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking who, him who, may, who, who he may devour. That means who is this person that I can get out of rest? Make them feel that they're supposed to solve this problem. That's what it means. Who is the one who's taking care? Who is the one who's acting like savior? That's what Israel was. They couldn't enter the promised land because they really thought they were going to save themselves. It was self-righteousness, not realizing that it is him who's giving them the victory. He will deliver them into my hands. It is, I'm telling you guys, it's all him who's doing it. But now it's not from outside, it's from inside. The battle still is his, but it's already won. That's why you don't fight it. You rest. He will go and do whatever needs. If there's any outworking, he will do it. But position means take a stand that you're a son. That's why you look it up. It's not like, oh, now I will not whatever. No, no, no. Position means don't forget who you are. Take a stand. And now you see my salvation working it out for you. That's what it means. Okay. Uh, so it means humble yourself. That means every time the care comes and I'm not taking it, I'm reminding myself I'm not the savior he is. It's not me. It's Christ who's doing it. Okay. That's why I cast the care. I don't take the care. Now look at this, Ephesians 6.10, the armor of God, right? Now it says, Jesus has already fought all the principalities, powers, might, dominion, everything. But then this verse says that we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities and powers and all of these might and dominions, okay? But now it tells you, how do you fight? It says, just take a stand. Just take a stand. Now, so see this, see what this armor is. The armor is not meant to fight. The armor is meant so that you don't forget. That's what it means. So see this, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, in the power of his might, not my might, in the promised land, not my might, his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles. That means the tricks of the devil. So he only tricks, he messes about with my mind. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. That word stand again means to be still, to rest. It means to position yourself. That's what it means. That means take a position. Take a stand about where you come from. You're Swarajat. You're not human. You're Swarajat. You're a new creation. I'm a son of God, born from him. That's what it means. Now see this, stand, be still, rest, position yourself. Therefore, having girded your waist with truth. What could be the truth in a situation? You know what, that this area is already finished. That I can't fall sick. That's what it means to gird yourself with truth. Yeah, this is who I am. What does it mean for somebody? You know what, I'm in rest. And I really believe like in rest is prosperity. I've always seen money because I, I never really worried about money and it just multiplied. Okay, you labor to rest, guard your rest. In rest, you don't lack anything. Okay, so look at this. Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. What is the other truth? If you're in a battle, if you're in a court case, yeah, you know what? Because I'm here, righteousness is here. I don't care what papers the other people even have or don't have. Because I'm the righteousness of God. I'm depending on him when I'm in front of the court, the, the judge, that it is my father who will put favor in that person's heart or he will overlook it or something happens and that my God will give me this position because I'm the righteousness of God. That means because I'm his beloved, because I'm his son. That's it. That's what it means. So I have everything, but that is the truth because I'm a son. Are you understanding? You're not forgetting who you are. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, it's no more by what you do or don't do. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ means I'm declared innocent. In whatever the matter is, I am innocent. You could even very well be wrong. But by faith, because of Christ, you are declared innocent in that matter. That's what it means. Don't allow condemnation to come in. Okay? Um, you know, some people condemn themselves over what they did. I didn't eat right. I didn't do this. And so because of this, I have the sickness in my body. And the doctors can help in that, right? Like give you, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. And that's why you have all these things. And in that, yeah, you know what, maybe, but because I'm the righteousness of God, I'm still declared innocent. That means I'm, I'm a son. That's it. Because of that, my inheritance, my portion will be different. This will not happen to me. Okay. Uh, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, that means it's not my walk. Whatever I do now, it's at rest. It's at peace. Okay. Above all, taking the shield of faith by which you will quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You know what's the shield of faith? That I live by his faithfulness. In Psalm 91, it says your shield and your faithfulness is like a buckler. Okay, that means I'm living off your whole life now. When we've come into the rest, we've entered the rest, we're living off his faithfulness to me. That's what faith means, faithfulness, that he is faithful to me. Okay, it's a rest. That he will not put you to shame. To quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation. The headrest. That you know what this area, this is all finished. So every time when your thoughts come, just speak and say it is finished, this area. That's it. It is finished. You can speak that. It is finished. Okay. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always and all prayer and supplication. So what was all of this standing to do? Not forgetting 
the armor of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit. And you know where the sword of the spirit is? It's not in your hand. It's in your mouth. In Revelation, when it says that there was a sword of the spirit, it was not in Jesus' hand. It came out of his mouth. That's why it says the sword of the spirit is the word of mouth. Maybe, so maybe my shield, I'm holding the shield with both my hands is faithfulness. Yay. And the sword of the spirit is in my mouth. Who I am. So all the armor is telling me is don't forget who you are. And that's what it means to stand. A position. It means to stand. That means not forgetting who I am. And even as you take that position, don't forget you're a son. Yes, daddy, I'm not going to forget I'm a son in this problem. I'm not going to fight this problem because it doesn't need fighting. You just told me to stand. That means don't forget who I am. And now see the salvation of the Lord. Now see what my father will do. He's doing it through me. Okay. Look at 2 Corinthians 10, 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God in pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What does this mean? I told you, start doing this. It says that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we are fighting against, there's a warfare going on, right? And it talks about our weapons of our warfare are mighty, pulling down strongholds, arguments and every high thing. That means where is the battle going on? In your mind. All thoughts come in your mind. Even that thing, oh, what is that on your hand? Are you feeling that lump? What is that? It wasn't there today. Are you feeling this pain? Everything comes to your mind first. And then you engage in it. If you run after it, then you will start following with your actions. But everything comes to your head first. And it's saying here, you pull every thought down and bring it to the obedience of Christ. It simply means, it, in, another, uh, in another version, it says, take your mind captive. So it's literally saying that put your mind in this place of rest, that it is finished. Bringing it to the obedience of Christ means what? You're telling your mind, listen, it is finished and you bring every thought to the obedience that it is finished. Priya, stop running after the problem. It is finished and now I'm bringing it to a rest. That's what it simply means. Your, your every labor is to bring this mind of yours into a rest. And even as you're bringing the mind into a rest, okay, the Holy Spirit can flow for that situation in and through you. He will go fix it because you are not the savior. He is. He will never stop being the savior. Okay. He's your father. His greatest rest is that he gets to be your father, that he can fix that thing in and through you so that he gets the glory. That you simply say that, oh, I have such a good father. That is it. Okay. So I want to end today. I'm going to read a few things and just um, what the Lord has shown me, okay? We rest because it is finished, okay? We rest when Jesus sat down, the Holy Spirit went to work. Even as he rested, the Holy Spirit went to work, okay? Rest is simply when you're not worrying about it. When you, are, you don't think that you need to fix that problem. You can have this inward thinking that I need to fix it. And that's that labor that God wants you to come into a position of rest. It's a mind rest. That's why even in the storm, Jesus was sleeping on a pillow. It was symbolic of a head rest. And even as you're in rest, we've entered the Sabbath. We've entered Christ. He is the Sabbath. And guess who's allowed to work on the Sabbath? It is him who's allowed to work. It is the father and the son working on the Sabbath. Okay? That's why nothing changes from the outside. In the old, it was all him doing it. 
now that you're born again, born from above, it's still, you die. I'm crucified. That means stop your doing, stop your working, stop your labor in that. And even as you're crucified, can he work and do something and fix what needs to be fixed? In every area right now, if you have some labor going on, okay? And I understand when there are symptoms in the body and people, and I know the yearning, what it is like to get healed. And you want to just see divine health or in some area, you just, you feel like you're just running after it and it's, it's, so, it's just running further away from you. And that's what I mean when all the promises are yes and amen. We're not running after the promise. And can you, in that area, just take a stand. That means stand still, rest, position yourself. That means it's not like, like I told you, position and stand still doesn't mean don't do anything. It means take a stand. That means take a stand about who you are. See yourself in the word. Yeah, I'm a son. I can't lose anything. That could be your stand. Or I'm a son in this area. You know what? I've entered God. I've entered your rest. And you say that in this rest, I shall lack nothing. That means my whole life is a finished work. Just the way for Jesus, you finished everything. It says that all the works were finished from the foundation of the world. And when Jesus was walking, he said, you know what? Uh, I have finished all your works that you have sent me to do. We've entered in Christ. And in Ephesians, it says that, uh, you know, we are his workmanship created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you know what workmanship means? That word workmanship appears only one time in the Bible. It means a handiwork of God. It means a new creation. It appears only one time because after God created everything, you know what, on another day, Jesus came and he made a son, new creation, new species. So we are his workmanship. That means his creation created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. That means just like Jesus, your whole life is a finished work. So why worry? And so even in this place of rest, even as you know what, the whole world is worrying. And sometimes the worry of the world can come on you and they make you realize that why are you not worrying about this? And they look at it because they don't have a father, but you can rest knowing that, you know what, my whole life is a finished work. I'm not going to worry about this because I'm in your rest where everything is finished and I lack nothing. I, I've come back home to the father where you are fathering everything for me now. And even as I'm laboring and I choose not to worry about this problem, you know, I'm not going to go. I'm, I've been running after my healing, but your word says, I'm a son. It's not in my nature. That's my stand. And now I just rest in it. This is it. And Holy Spirit, now you are doing everything. It's not my job. You are the one who's taking out all these lying symptoms, telling me I'm, not, I'm sick because I'm in hell. I am resting in this place. You know what? I'm looking for a job. I haven't got a job for so long. And I, I want like a shift and I'm trying to run after it. And you know what? Holy Spirit, I know that I'm in your rest. In your rest, no one lacked anything. There was prosperity. There was copper. There was iron. That, those are rich minerals. I'm just going to rest because you're my father who gives me prosperity. And so now, even as I'm resting, yeah, I'm applying for my jobs and I, I'll do everything. But I know that it's, it's coming to me now. I'm not trying to get it. It is, I will do it, but you're the one who will give grace in someone's heart and I'll just get the job. You'll put favor in someone's heart and I'm going to get it. That's what it means to rest. Everything, God doesn't want you to run after it anymore, but it's going to come to you. And so even in some areas, maybe stop praying about that problem because you prayed, prayed, prayed so much and your whole mind is at labor with that. And then can you just take a vacation from praying about it and just chill and not pray and run like it needs to get fixed and the father is saying, can you just release it? 
and that's what it means to be at rest like stop obsessing about this problem you've obsessed about it for years and now just like just let go of it completely just relax because i am the one who's supposed to fix it stop trying to be the savior for the problem because i am the savior i am your father i i get to do it and so even as you're casting that care because he cares for you because he loves you everything gets sorted okay and so you're coming into a deeper rest so that's what it means you're abiding in the white you're learning to just relax just be a son and know that it's the father's job it's the wine's job to love you and to fix it and to provide for you okay so let's come into prayer right now just uh, in every area that you're i know that you want to see the inheritance okay that there's an inheritance for everyone someone is looking for uh, you know uh, maybe work someone is looking for health someone is looking for uh, in any area it could be and even as you come into rest you're saying that father you know what in this area i'm not savior you are my savior you are my father and even as jesus sat down at the right hand of the father it's the father who's bringing all the enemies under his feet it's the father who's adding all things to you even as you're coming into rest even as you're taking your mind captive and bringing it into rest that i'm not going to worry about this anymore i'm choosing not to worry about this i'm humbling myself because i have a father father i just thank you that in every area that they've not seen something even as they're coming into rest holy spirit you're bringing them into rest that mind that soul into rest that you are able to flow through them and bring them the inheritance that you've always wanted to give them and so i just pray that each one listening that you bring them into a rest that they will position themselves that we are born of you born from above that we've been crucified we can't do it but it's you who are doing it it's god who is working in me and through me bringing it bringing it into manifestation bringing that inheritance to i just thank you father even as i rest all things are added to me father i just thank you for jesus jesus i thank you you're my high priest and right now i give you a thanksgiving of all the increase that you brought of all the light that you brought to us of all the awareness that you brought about this rest to us and just worship him with it ora hadalara kashi priya darana surya narana hadarana thank you jesus for your rest that we live in your rest that our whole life is hidden in you and it's in a rest everything is finished thank you for it amen, amen.